0: It is Monday, February 26th. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm AJ Hoffman. A good day for NBA defense. And a bad day to mess with guys in Pilgrim hats. Here comes the Vegas truth.
1: This is straight out of Vegas.
0: We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day: fights
1: on the on the basketball court, fights at Cam Newton's play. I, it's there's fights everywhere. Everybody's
0: fighting, Scott. <laughs> well, uh, no offensive fights in the NBA at least as unders go 10 and one yesterday in the NBA. So it was a good day. To bet the under. I actually got lucky. I had the under 241 and a half in the Laker game against the Suns. And there was 135 points scored in the first half. I thought I was dead. And then all of a sudden, the low scoring second half and the under comes in. 10-0 and 1 unders in the NBA, AJ. The only game that did not go under. The one push in the NBA yesterday was the total of 233 between OKC and Houston, but that's not going to be the Vegas lead. The Vegas lead is basketball, but it's going to be college basketball. We are. Yeah, we're three weeks away from Selection Sunday. Last night, we're three weeks from last night away from Selection Sunday. Conference tournaments will begin next week. I think the first conference tournament begins on March 4th and then March 5th. And then it seems like every day after that, new, uh, new tournaments are beginning. I wanted to ask you some questions because we had some interesting results over the weekend. Yesterday, St. John's took care of Creighton, the wow. same Creighton team that blew out the number one team in the nation, UConn. And now we're asking questions about whether or not Rick Patino's team is going to make the field. In fact, on FanDuel, you can bet, will St. John's make the field of 68? The yes is plus 154. The no is minus 210. What's your thoughts? My thoughts currently, I mean, that's that's a nice win for St. John's.
1: And early in the season, I, I thought the Johnnies were like going to be a, a real problem, but they've cooled off considerably. This was like a, a must-win game. The problem for St. John's is this was the last game that they had, and it's really kind of their their only great win this season. And the rest of their schedule lines up. They, they play Butler at Butler this weekend, or this week, with I think Wednesday, which is great because they get a game on the road against a, another kind of potential tournament-type team. But then their last two games are against DePaul and Georgetown, which are the, the two bummiest teams in, in the conference. You're not going to get any credit for them. All, all that can happen is you can lose, and it's a disaster. Uh, it, it's going to boil down to can they make a big tournament run, this this win was impressive, mostly because it felt like things were unraveling for Rick Patino's team. Like it, we talked about it last week, when he's he's throwing his guys under the bus, saying like he he's never had such a disappointing squad. He's not having mm-hmm. fun coaching this team. He hates the facilities. His guys are slow. It's like these are the dudes you picked, bro. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. But it, apparently he he had a big apology session with them, and the team responded. This this win over Creighton. I mean, any win over a team like Creighton is a good win, but to just kind of manhandle them the way they did, Creighton was never even in this game. So this was a a really impressive performance by Saint John's, and it's the kind of it's the kind of win that can roll into that Big East tournament. And obviously, we know the Big East tournament is is played essentially on their home floor. Uh so they've got they've always got a good chance come you know when when that tournament starts up, but. Uh, i so it, it is good for momentum, but right now I would say the Johnnies have a lot of work to do because the the, the conference season has not been kind to them after it looked like things were going to go well I think one of the one of the reasons why people got excited about them early is they won at Villanova like really early in the conference season, and it turns out Villanova sucks Villanova's mm-hmm. probably not a tournament team either, so it's it's one of those it was one of those wins at the time that felt like man what a huge win and it turns out um, maybe not so I, they're going to have to beat you know a a Creighton again or a yukon or a marquette in the tournament in the big east tournament to to really i think have a shot at even making the big
0: dance speaking of marquette the number 7 team in the nation blew out xavier yesterday 88-64 and number 3 purdue took care of michigan in ann arbor 84-76 You mentioned uh, Villanova. I was looking at Joe Lenardi from ESPN, his latest Bracketology. He has them as part of the next four out. So not even in the first four out. He has them in the next four out. But he has a couple of Big East teams as a part of the the play-in games. The last four in, he's got Seton Hall and Providence part of that last four in. Yeah, and Seton Hall and Providence,
1: both, both games at Villanova will have to play on the road uh to finish out the regular season. So they're at Providence at Seton Hall back to back uh next week. So they play one this coming weekend and then one during the week next week. Uh so opportunities for I guess really for all those teams. Like it's a big opportunity for Villanova to get a road win which they they could desperately use because you know they they're only they they won that road game at Creighton in overtime which in hindsight is just mind-blowing that they won that but the only other road wins they have in conference play are DePaul and Georgetown which again don't count um so they they really really need maybe even both of those or at least they need at least one and then they need to beat Creighton at home to wrap up the the regular season. I think those two, those two or two out of those three wins would go a long way for Villanova, but they certainly still have work to do. They're not safe at all.
0: Baylor will take on TCU in Fort Worth today. Uh, It is a system play as TCU is a two and a half point favorite. On Saturday, Baylor took Houston to overtime before losing and not covering. Thank you very much. Overtime where underdogs go to die. uh, 82-76 in what probably was one of the more entertaining games that I've watched this season. And and it was largely in part to a a massive second half comeback from Baylor. How much does that loss affect today's game, in your opinion? Well, if you
1: if you look back at that game, and you're right, like it was super entertaining after halftime. <laughs> if you watched the mm-hmm. first half, you were like, oh, my God, this is a, a bloodbath, and it was a, a like a 16-point halftime lead for Houston. Baylor didn't look like they were going to get into it at all. If you look at the box score for that game, Griffin and I did the, the college basketball pod last night. If I told you going into that game that Baylor was going to out-rebound Houston by almost double digits – and Baylor was going to hit 40% from three, you'd say, how could they have lost? How can you lose at home when that happens? Um, and the free throw discrepancy wasn't off. They both hit – they had 18 free throws made a piece. Baylor shot one more than Houston did. So, I mean, it was right in line with each other. What it boiled down to is Baylor turned the ball over 19 times. Mm-hmm. Y- you can't do that. Ray J. Dennis turned it over eight times himself – that's a real problem for Baylor right now. They they do not value the basketball. And the problem with TCU is this is a team that can punish you for that. TCU will turn you over. And if Baylor doesn't get that figured out, we, we could see them losing another one here. And, I mean, Baylor's season's already been disappointing. But you start to lose, you know, three games in a row. Things are kind of unraveling for this team that – is let's uh, to put it kindly is not very good defensively, so you can't really count on them to make stops. It's all about can they take care of the ball and can they shoot. And more often than not, the, the shooting is there. It's to the taking care of the ball that's been a real problem for them. TCU can punish them, and TCU is also an excellent three-point shooting team in their own right. Baylor leads the country, or no, they're second in the country in three-point percentage. But if you look at just since Big 12 play started, TCU is the best three-point shooting team in the country or in the in the conference, and When you consider that this game is in Fort Worth, if I'm counting on teams to make or not make three-pointers, usually the home team tends to make more than the road team. So I do think this this matchup presents some problems for Baylor. It's a very important
0: game for them, but I don't like the matchup. One other top 25 team in action tonight, North Carolina, 13.5-point favorites, Over Miami Uh, quickly going back to this past weekend because it was a busy Saturday, at least in college basketball. What's the biggest takeaway for you as we head into this final week or so of the regular season? I think it's uh, like these teams. Nobody's consistent. You know, I I think it's funny after we
1: saw Villanova or excuse me, after we saw UConn get get blasted by UConn or by Creighton, they come out and they blow out Villanova. And then Creighton gets blown out by St. John's. Uh, we see Arizona lose at home to Washington State. And then they come back and just blow the doors off Washington. It's just really hard to have any faith in anybody going into this tournament, which is, in a way, it makes it interesting. Like it, it makes the tournament more interesting than usual because there's not that team. There's not a team that you go, oh, how can anyone stop this come tournament time? the one of the one team that's kind of sticking out to me right now is, is a team that could be a real problem is Houston. And they, t- they don't profile as the kind of team that I'm typically interested in because they don't shoot the ball. Well, um, they do have good guards like uh, Emmanuel sharp uh, and, and Jalen shed. These are, these are or Jamal shed. These are good guards, but they're not great shooting guards and shooting usually is important. Come March, but, Defensively, they just swarm, and uh, I mean, like I said, they won a game just by forcing turnovers. That's that's the only reason they won that game is because Baylor couldn't get comfortable. Uh, and if you can if you can knock a, an offense like Baylor out of rhythm, you can knock most offenses out of rhythm. The problem is if there's a bad shooting night, and Houston's a, a really bad free throw shooting team, it, it, that that's the kind of night that they can get caught. But I will say that playing in the Big Twelve. Is going to prepare this team better than it's ever been prepared in the Kelvin Sampson era. So, I, in a season where it's hard for me to pick somebody that I'm in love with, Houston's the closest thing. Uh, they're, they're the closest thing to a team that I, I really trust going into March.
0: More college basketball breakdown with AJ and Griffin Warner on RJ Bell's Dream Preview College Basketball Edition. As we mentioned in the open, NBA Unders went ten oh and one yesterday. So a good day to bet the Unders in the NBA. Will the trend continue today? Uh, we will wait and see. A couple of news and notes around the association. We have several players suspended for their roles in the Heat Pelicans fight, including Jimmy Butler, AJ. Yeah. I mean, looks like
1: he wasn't, he didn't get the worst of the suspensions, but I mean, anytime you got superstars getting suspended, you know, it's a serious thing. And I think the NBA is just, it's, it's happening a lot happening in college basketball over the weekend and it's like, it's getting ugly. These handshake lines are getting ugly. These in-game scenarios, especially if there's a blowout one way or the other, it, it tensions are high uh and, and wild things happen the idea that if i'm the heat i'm pissed that jimmy butler's involved in this i'm like dude you got to stay away from this nonsense mm-hmm. you of all people and it, i mean what good's going to come from these fights you're going to hurt Nothing. yourself you're going to hurt your hand somebody's going to break their hand and then it's like i mean it, it, you look like a big dummy because you got you got hurt fighting or you got suspended fighting you're not helping your team and it's at a time when you know it's, it, I, for lack of a better term, it's it's nut cutting time. And like you, especially when you look at the Miami Heat, they're right there, and and that's they're in that that zone where it, are are, you, are they going to play in the play in, or are they not going to play mm-hmm. in the play in? And that's a big deal. Like it, it sure be nice to sit around and wait for for some other teams to come, and uh, it, it, while you're getting to you're getting to chill out, and you know that you're safely in. Miami's putting that in jeopardy with with this kind of stuff. So disappointing to to see it happen, but yeah, it, these guys just have to be smarter than this.
0: Elsewhere, Trey Young of the Hawks is going to be out about four weeks as he is dealing with a broken finger. He, so Atlanta is going to be without their their star their star for a while.
1: Yeah, this is a disaster for Atlanta. Like when we talk about the Heat, who are kind of on that that borderline of are they going to make it in the play in? Are they going to be safely in the playoffs? Miami's going to have a postseason. Atlanta's on the line of like, are you going to make the play in, mm-hmm, or are you mm-hmm. just going to go home? The fortunate thing for them is that the teams behind them, like the Nets, seem to be falling apart. Yeah. Uh, and we know that the, the the Wizards and Pistons have no life. So it's like the, the the Hornets, who are suddenly showing life, they're still a good ways back though. And then the Raptors are the kind of the wild card. Like, are are one of those teams good enough to catch the Hawks? I would, if you'd asked me a week ago, I would have said no, but without Trey Young, it's hard to know what to expect from this Hawks team. This is a, a team that is pretty bad defensively, so they've got to outscore everybody every night, and when you take away their best offensive threat, it's like, I, I don't know that they can do that, so um,
0: I, I think it's, it's about to become real tough for Atlanta. Yeah, uh surgery to repair a torn ligament in his finger, uh, Trey Young. Here's uh what went down yesterday. The Bucks beat the Sixers one nineteen ninety eight. It was the Suns over the Lakers one twenty three, one thirteen. Pacers topped the Mavericks one thirty three, one eleven. Cavs over the Wizards. That was 114-113-113. an under, by the way. That that two hundred and forty four point game was an under yeah. that's
1: that's it's yes. wild
0: one of all the unders that went yeah. out yesterday uh those hawks without Trey Young beat the magic 109-92 thunder topped the rockets 123-110 this was the push On the total, Uh, the Bulls, a 114-106 win over the Pelicans. Nuggets edged the Warriors, 119-103. It was the Jazz over the Spurs, 128-109. Hornets, a 93-80 win over the Blazers. And the Kings beat the Clippers, 123-107. Let's take a look at the schedule for tonight. The Raptors are at the Pacers in the 6.5-point favorites. Total of 245.5. Under again, AJ? Or is this one going to go over? I mean, it's hard, hard to imagine the Pacers uh, two unders
1: in a row. But I mentioned the Raptors and and how they're a team that really needs to string something together. But they've been abysmal on the road, so this is a tough spot for them. But Pacers on a back to back,
0: I could see I could see this one uh, having some fireworks. The Knicks, 11-point favorites over the Pistons at Madison Square Garden. The Nets, 1.5-point favorites over the Grizzlies in Memphis. And the Kings, 7.5-point favorites at home against the Miami Heat. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. How's your social battery right now, AJ? I know sometimes I get drained, and it could be easy to ignore I've been drinking AG-1 because for AG-1, quality isn't just a buzzword. AG-1's ingredients are heavily researched for efficacy and quality, and I love that every scoop has prebiotics, probiotics, digestive enzymes for my gut support, As Major League Baseball spring training rolls on, a couple of news and notes to talk about. First off, the Dodgers are going to have Shohei Otani in the lineup tomorrow at DH. You know, we thought that he wasn't going to play at all during this spring schedule, but apparently there's been a shift and he's ready and he will make his Cactus League debut tomorrow. I don't think that Shohei
1: Otani likes sitting out. Like, Shohei Otani mm. wants to play baseball. It's obvious a dude loves baseball. And I also think that he wields enough power with these teams that they're not going to tell him no. If he says, hey, I'm playing, he's going to play. Like, he didn't he didn't give up all the power he had uh, in Anaheim to go across town and be told what, when and where he'll be able to play. If he says he's playing, he's playing. So uh, good for Shohei Otani. I'm glad I- – Certainly more interesting having him in the game. So, I mean, it, it. I'm not a guy who, you know, is like looking for spring training games, but mm-hmm. I certainly want to see Shohei
0: Otani hit. So I'll, yep. I'll be looking for that. So we'll check that out tomorrow. Uh, elsewhere, the Cubs have re-signed Cody Bellinger. Three years, $80 million. He was one of the biggest uh, name-free agents that was still unsigned, and now he is signed as he returns to the Cubs. Yeah, it was kind of weird that he he wasn't
1: signed yet. I, he was on a, I guess for lack of a better term, a prove it deal last season, mm-hmm. and I don't think there's any doubt he proved it. I mean, he was he was phenomenal last season. Uh, so I I think that it it makes sense that they brought him back. I think it gives them a, a leg up on the rest of the offenses in the NL Central, uh, having him back and and based on what he was able to do last season, I. I'd, see no
0: reason to ex- to not expect a uh, big year from him again. He does have opt-outs after the first and second years of the deal. So he gets $30 million in salary this year, and then if he doesn't opt out, he'll get $30 million again the following year, and then he'll probably opt out because it's only $20 million in 2026. So uh, just something to, to keep an eye on. He did have a phenomenal year last year. He was looking for that big type of uh, contract, but... Man, it's like uh, Josh Towers talked to us last week. Scott Boris is failing these, his guys, and maybe teams are just tired of of the act and don't want to deal with the Boris the Boris situation anymore. We saw it probably the biggest name that it happened with was was Carlos Correa, right? And yeah. now another Boris client in um, in Cody Bellinger has to wait and then ultimately gets this deal here with the Chicago Cubs going back to the team that he was with last season. Elsewhere, Mets pitcher Koday Senga had a PRP injection in his shoulder. He's going to be shut down for three weeks, but it's not, I guess, as bad as they thought it might be whenever you hear about the shoulder issues and arm fatigue and whatnot. So we'll see how he responds. He's not going to be ready for opening day, and he's probably the ace on that staff. So uh, the Mets waiting to see how Koday Senga reacts to the PRP injection sticking in New York. Juan Soto hit a moonshot yesterday in spring training, and it got me thinking, AJ. Now, I tweeted it out, and people were like, oh, is this your official picks? And I'm like, no, I was just giving you the lines. But Juan Soto is plus 600 up on DraftKings as the second favorite to be the American League MVP, and he's plus 900 to lead the league in home runs. Now, playing in a uh, lefty-friendly ballpark in Yankee Stadium, I don't know, that plus 900 seems pretty appealing to me for Juan Soto to lead the league in home runs. Yeah, Juan Soto's an interesting dude because, I, like, I saw that and everybody was like, oh, look at Juan
1: Soto's, like, I think it was a, a ESPN or MLB posted and said, how's Juan Soto's swing look? And he crushes yeah. the ball to the moon. But the truth is, it looked like a terrible swing. Juan Soto's just a freak of nature. <laughs> so if Juan, if Juan <laughs> Soto actually starts like swinging the bat like a a, a real hitter, everybody's going to be in trouble. But um, yeah, Juan Soto's one of those dudes who's been kind of a, a roller coaster. Uh, so he's, I, I think the the odds being long seem right, but it, you know he's going to hit a bunch of home runs. I think the the question for him is like, what kind of batting average is he going to have? Like, is is he going to be... Uh, Is he going to hit 330 and and be an MVP candidate or is he going to hit, you know, 260 and and, or 250 and not be. So I I think that's what it boils down to. The home runs are going to be there. And we saw that last year after him taking a couple years off. I I say a couple years off having a couple injury riddled years where the the home run numbers were down. You saw him healthy last year. I think he played 162 games last year and all the power numbers were back uh the batting average was solid enough i think he hit 270 something last year it's not 350 uh but it's, it's good enough to you know to to be happy with so I, I think if if you get you know 40 home runs out of the guy you're happy the, the problem for me with soto leading the league in home runs is he's he's never hit he's, i mean he's never hit more than 35 that he hit last year mm-hmm. so it's i i would i like the idea of him being the al mvp and and then you have to like if he hits 35 home runs and he hits 330, I, I think that's reasonable. It's it's within reach. If he hits 35 home runs and he and he hits 270, nobody looks at that as an MVP type season. So I, I think but I also think to lead the league in home runs, he's going to have to be well into the 40s, which is something he's never done. So I, I'm I'm not sure where I stand on, on that bet. I, I mean, you're maybe playing on some upside. And like you said, going to a park that's very friendly to lefties. But. I don't know if he's the best left-handed power hitter on his own team.
0: Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, last year, of his 35 home runs that he hit last year, uh, 23 were on the road. 12 of them were at home in Petco, which is not a hitter-friendly ballpark. And now he's got the short porch there in right field. Like, if he's healthy, and let's say he has the same exact season he has, which is 35, you could probably bump that number up to – at least forty, because you know there's going to be at least five cheapies that you know when they when you look at that Twitter account, would it dong? And it's only it's going to say home run at Yankee Stadium and nowhere else in Major yeah. League Baseball. I, I'm pretty sure that Soto is going to have a bunch of those. Uh, last year, Matt Olson led the majors in home runs with 54, but I, I got to be honest, watching that game yesterday. And seeing Aaron Judge and Juan Soto in the lineup back to back was pretty darn impressive. Yeah, no doubt I, they're gonna be a, they're gonna be a problem. And
1: um, if the rest of that lineup can stay healthy, like there's the sky's the limit for that team. But it seems like that's been the problem for the Yankees for a long time. Like when, it, when are they gonna be healthy?
0: And that that's kind of the big question mark. Hockey yesterday, the Rangers' 10-game winning streak has come to a close as they were playing the second out of a back-to-back, and Columbus defeating the Rangers 4-2 yesterday. Jonathan Quick was in net, not Igor Shosturkin, so when uh, Shosturkin is back in net, I think we're going to go back to the well Excuse me, with the New York Rangers. Uh, Shosturkin's had an incredible month of february but the rangers winning streak snapped at a uh, tying franchise record 10 straight games so the longest winning streak right now currently in the nhl belongs to the toronto maple leafs at seven straight games and so we'll keep an eye on that to see if we can uh keep you know, if they could keep this thing moving, they've been playing some incredible hockey. Elsewhere yesterday, the Lightning, a 4-1 win over the Devils. Penguins in an entertaining game against the Flyers win 7-6. That sounds Cindy like Crosby. an over. Yeah, Sidney Crosby with a goal and three assists in that one. Sabres beat the Hurricanes in a shootout 3-2. It was the Red Wings in overtime over the Blackhawks 3-2. Patrick Kane's return to Chicago and Kane Got the overtime goal win. Nice. So Blackhawks fans not knowing what to do, cheer, be upset. But uh, a nice moment for Patrick Kane there in Chicago yesterday. In overtime also was the Jets over the Coyotes 4-3. And the Predators, a 4-2 win over the Ducks. Here's what's on your schedule. For tonight, it is a short schedule. Senators are at the Capitals, and Ottawa's minus one twenty. Islanders at the Stars, Dallas minus one seventy. We'll be betting against the Stars tomorrow. What? Yeah. We'll oh. Talk about okay.
1: That. okay. Okay. Not, I, th- I thought you mean against Stars tonight.
0: Okay. No, no, no. I think tonight we're on the Stars, and then tomorrow we're against the Stars. Okay. That's what we like. Uh, The Kings will be at the Oilers, Edmonton's minus 150, and the Bruins visit the Kraken, Boston minus 145. Some quick NFL news and notes. Uh, Russell Wilson did an interview, and um, I guess he was talking with um, Brandon Marshall, former Broncos wide receiver, on a podcast, and he said that he is willing to or would be willing to sign somewhere as a backup quarterback if that's if if Denver waves him and that's his only option he's okay with it aj
1: yeah it's wild i mean he he's he basically saying like it, first of all i love the the confidence and he's like i am going to i don't want he didn't just say i want to win another super bowl he said i want to win two more super bowls which is surprising yeah chill, chill, chill bro cho yeah but um <laughs> Uh, it, it there's so much uncertainty about it and he's kind of you know embracing that and saying like wherever it is whatever my role is I, I, I want to uh I, I want to be on a winning team again so um I, I think he, he was like hearing that interview he was perplexed that they that, at the idea that they benched him I don't think he thought he was the reason why they were playing so poorly no but the money was I, I think that's a, a big part of it so um yeah, I, I think that it is it can Russell Wilson still play? Yeah, I think Russell Wilson's still one of the 32 best quarterbacks in the NFL and I don't even think think that's mm-hmm. debatable. The problem is Russell Wilson's paid like he's one of the 10 best and he's not. And that's problematic because that that makes it hard to if if you're overpaying at quarterback and not like I mean listen, you're going to overpay for guys like Patrick Mahomes and and those types of guys, Josh Allen and like but you're going to get also a certain level of play from them. Russell Wilson's not approaching that level of play. So bang for the buck, the Broncos are really at a disadvantage there. They they, they probably do have to make a change.
0: Well, elsewhere, Cam Newton involved in a fight at a high school 7-on-7 tournament yesterday, and there was video of this. It looked like three guys were going after Cam Newton, and all I could think about was uh, the, the custom hat that he wears. Yeah, his pilgrim hat.
1: Uh, listen, this is one thing. Uh, by the way, I, Cam Newton did not
0: lose the fight. Um, no. it, I, there was several guys. I don't know how many of was three, five or what, but it he, took more than three NFL players to tackle him. Like he, these three guys were not going to get him down. I'm right.
1: not sure who thought like, you know what? Let's go get him. We walked by Cam Newton uh, on radio <laughs> row a couple weeks ago. Cam Newton's not the kind of guy you look at and go that guy. I bet I could beat that big mother effer don't he's not he's not that kind of big he's the kind of big that you go nah I wouldn't mess with that I wouldn't mess with that like he's built like a a freaking defensive end uh Mm -hmm. I don't know who had this idea but it was a bad idea whoever in the friend group spearheaded this thing they're no longer in charge of the shit decision making like we, we
0: can't trust what Brian says anymore we're not doing that Brian never again That was a bad decision. A good decision is saving 20% at Pregame.com. Still time to use the promo code NHL20. NHL20 gets you 20% off any purchase at Pregame.com. It could be a a best bet for tonight, a three-star best bet, or you want to take 20% off a purchase for a weekend or all-access, a seven-day all-access, whatever you'd like, any purchase. Take 20% off using the promo code NHL20. For AJ Hoffman, I'm Scott Sadenberg. We are straight out of Vegas AM.